Canes Country podcast is back, and oh my god, they've won seven straight games now, the Hurricanes have. Two weeks ago, they were losers of three straight, and it felt like the world was collapsing in on itself. And now, oh my goodness, they're first in the division for now, for the next five minutes at least, hopefully. Uh, they've won seven straight, and when when they don't have to play the Lightning every game, suddenly they look great. This is the Kansas Country Podcast. My name's Brett Finger. I'm joined by Ryan Hankel and Andrew Schnicker. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. Yeah, the uh, on the one-year anniversary of the world actually collapsing in on itself, things are uh, things are looking up for the Hurricanes. I'm doing pretty good on my birthday, the date when the world collapsed. I was about to say that. I was about to make Happy that birthday. joke. Happy birthday. That was man. a great present last year when Gary Bettman announced the NHL was done. God, you're you're gonna think about that day on your birthday for the rest of your life. That that's kind of yeah. Yeah, the Hurricanes won three games this past week. They went 3-0. They've won seven straight games, and they're the best team in the history of the NHL. So takeaways from a 3-0 week and a 7-0 run. It's their first 7-0 run since, I believe, the 2009-10 NHL season. A couple things are obviously a little different since then. But, no, I I think the thing – it's funny to me, and uh, Brian was on the post game the other night because he had covered a, the game and was asking a lot about guys' questions about this. They're finding, they're just finding ways to win. I mean, you had the other night against Nashville. They didn't play very well. They got some timely saves from Nadelkovic, and, you know, their power play came through and got it done for them. It, it's funny. It's, it's just, it's like they're the almost the, antithesis of the hurricanes of old and that they just kind of go out and find a way no matter you know if they don't necessarily play very well you know they can be carried by their star power carried by some timely goal goals or timely saves and it's really it did you know it's fun to watch good the thing we seem to hear on the pod on the post games a lot after those kind of games is good teams find a way to win which is rapidly, I think, becoming kind of almost a motto or a rallying cry for this team. And if you would have ever told me that the, if you'd have told me, I don't think there's anything you could have said or done five years ago to convince me that that phrase would be being used, unironically on a nightly basis by members of the Carolina Hurricanes. Speaking of being carried by and things we didn't think would happen, the Carolina Hurricanes' number one in the league power play, yeah, is just tremendous. They're 32% best in the league. And there's, they've scored what is it? Isn't it in the seven game win streak? They've scored the power play going all like seven straight games or whatnot. It was like some straight games. I don't remember how many it was. They've, in a row. they've scored a power play, at least one power play goal in seven straight games. And then I yeah. think they, um, they went three for three last night to push them into first in the NHL. Yeah. It's like a thing that of hurricanes of old, we look at power play. We were like, please just, we, the hurricane fans were like, we will, we will just actually, Take a man down if if we can. We'll kill a penalty, but God, don't put us on a power play. And now the Hurricanes, every time you give them the chance, they're putting that puck in the net. And it's it's absolutely insane, the talent level, especially on that first unit. Like, goodness, having like Ajo, Svech, Hamilton, Trochik, and Stahl just all there, all scoring goals on the power plates. It's absolutely tremendous. And like, in one hand, you'd be like, oh, they're being carried by their power play. But in like in a way that that win against the second the first win against Nashville the second game of the week that was definitely the case where they bad start uh, they went down into a hole 
and all of a sudden they score two power play goals. They're right back in the game. Yeah, the the power play has scored some really timely goals. I mean, you look at that one in Nashville against Nashville in the first game. They were down two nothing, and then Stahl scores the power play goal, um, and they get back right back into it. Even last night, you know, they won the game five to one, but the first ten minutes or so of the game really wasn't a very good start for the Hurricanes. Reimer had to make some big saves, and then they get the power play, and they score, and it was kind of like that. Well, I obviously woke them up because it, it ended up with them scoring three goals in about two minutes. But, yeah, no, I think that the power play is not just scoring. It's scoring at very opportune moments. Yeah, and, I mean, when Trocek went down, it's like, all right, uh, who are we going to have to replace him? Oh, Martin Natchez. Okay. I mean – Nate just wasn't even on the first power play unit. You can make an argument that he is probably definitely within among the top three or four most skilled forwards on the team, at least currently. I mean, he's outrageously dangerous and he got off the second unit. And then what happened? Like I'm looking at like the units and they're like, like what's going on here? The second unit, it's, it's geeky. Uh, Nino being Pesci and fast. And I'm like, eh. Yeah. And then what happens? That unit scores two power play goals. Geeky twice. Granted, the second one was, I mean, it was a Lucky shot bounce. that was saved and got and bounced off a sick or escape. But still, I mean, it, it was, it was kind of surprising to see how, how that all shook out. And, the the power play has been huge recently, and that that second unit was great. Morgan Geeky again scored twice in his first game back in the lineup because of Trocheck being out, and I think that if there's any concern right now with the team, it has to be centered around the injuries that have been kind of crushing them right now. Mrazek's still out with the right thumb injury. He's been practicing. Rod has said that he's not close yet. I don't even know what he means by that anymore. I, I think well, he. he He's missed at least a couple practices, but what Rod has basically said is that it's, he's not like he's not missing the practices because he's not healthy. He's missing them because he's they're they're basically waiting on him to say, "Yeah, I could go," and they don't want him taking goalie reps in practice away from the guys who are ready to play. Yeah, so obviously the sooner that they get Morazic back, the better. But I mean, and we can talk about this here in a second too. Uh, the goaltending has been surprisingly good. Alex Adelkovich, he got off to a pretty rough start, and then over his last was his last four starts, he's three and one. He, or no, his last five starts, he's four and one, and he hasn't allowed more than two goals in any start. He's been outstanding. Yeah, he's he's found a way to make big saves and keep the Hurricanes in games. And the interesting thing is, you know, you mentioned that start. The thing I think you have to keep in mind with that is. That was especially, you know, with the AHL being shut down and never coming back the way the NHL did um, in the summer. That was the first time Nedeljkovic had played in competitive hockey games in close to a year. And it was funny that I, I asked Rod Brindamore kind of about that difference between his first few starts and his streak. And he said that that was even something they talked about was not trying to get too worked up one way or the other over his first couple starts just because it had been so long since he had played. But yeah, I, th I think you're, you know, it, it's funny at the start of this season, I would have probably said, you know, uh, Nadelkovich, you know, whatever, he's probably not in their future plans and that's fine. They'll figure something out. He's, 
you know, I, I think with every start, he's giving the Hurricanes coaching staff and management something to think about both for this season, for what they want to do with that backup spot when Mrazek does come back, and, you know, it, as this team continues its quest for a goalie of the future, is it possible that Nadelkovich could be that guy? I think it also thing that we look at it's with Nadeljic playing so well. I wonder if it's had an effect on like Reimer a little bit because Reimer, when he was like that seven one and zero or whatever it was, he was he had a below nine point uh, nine you know save percentage. He had over a three goals against average. He's now slowly worked that out. He's a point nine oh eight save percentage. He's got a two point seven one goals against average. He's actually his numbers have been he's actually been training him back down to what normally you would see from him. And I'm wondering if there's like a mental thing with seeing Nadeljevic can play and keep that rep, rep, those reps going. I wonder if that's this thing on Reimer where he doesn't feel like it's all on him. Maybe there's like maybe a mental thing there. I don't know if it's all workload for Reimer. If it was maybe a mental thing of having to be the starter that he felt like, but if he sees the split of how well Nadeljevic's playing, I feel like Reimer's has improved his game tremendously too. Yeah, I think we've seen at least in his time here that Reimer's, one of those guys who's who's he's better as either a backup or a one A one B. If you if you're asking him to sh- to carry you and be your number one, I think that's problematic. But yeah, no, I mean I think that's a good point. I think Reimer's last couple starts, um, both against Nashville because you had the road game last week and or no the road the well both two against Nashville and one against Florida. I think he was really good. He didn't really let in you know, those kind of bad goals that we had been seeing from him, and he made some really big saves. So it's over his last five stars. He's 4-1 and one with a 9.48 save percentage. He's allowed eight goals over his last five games. He's seventh in the league in goal saved above expectation. And it's also worth noting that a few weeks ago he was on waivers, and anyone could have picked him up, by the way. A guy who is seventh in the league in goals saved above expected. And has a 9.48 save percentage over his last five starts. This is Alex Nadalkovich, yes. And that's that, that just goes to show no one knows anything about goalies. And if you no, say you do, never. and you're not like Cat Silverman or someone who actually does know and spends a lot of time legitimately knowing and, and learning, then if you say you know something about goaltending, you don't. Because it seems like most teams don't. I mean, they, they don't know. No one knows. Yeah. In order to actually know something about goaltending, I think you have to be somebody, like you said, like a Cat Silverman, who pretty much devotes most of their like working time and what they do to goaltending. If you're trying to do like everything else plus goaltending, I feel like your goaltending understanding is not going to be optimal. There's so many nuances in goaltending. There's so much more to it than just you know everything it is. I love I love following on Twitter. I think Mike McKenna. Like he, he yeah, just has goalie. such good insight on like the game. He'll like sometimes live just talk about live tweet certain games like he chooses and like he'll just talk about the goalies and how they like are viewing things, how they're playing, different techniques they use. And there's so much about goaltending that like most casual fans, even like most of us, like hardly understand at all with like the nuances to it all. Yeah. I think I think if you even if you ask like Rob Brindamore about goaltending, he'd be like, I don't know, they make saves. Like, like what what did you like about Nadelkovich tonight? Uh, he made saves. You know, he he kept us in it. Like, it's it's tough. Like, I, 
in like, you know, the idea that people in the league know a lot about goaltending and how to project and, and all this. Some do. And you see based on track record who does. But, you know, it's tough to know. Like <laughs> the Hurricanes thought Scott Darling was gonna be a good fit. And he, he could he could be the number one goalie. That didn't work out. It, it that happened multiple times until they finally decided to go with Peter Morazic and Curtis McElhaney, who also, by the way, was on waivers that the Hurricanes were forced to pick up because Darling got injured ahead of the 18-19 season, and he was outstanding and earned a backup role with Tampa Bay and won a Stanley Cup because of it and all that. So, yeah, it's it's really impressive what Nadalkovich is doing. <laughs> He's earned the right to stay in the lineup once Mrazek gets back, assuming that's soon and he doesn't fall off in the next little bit. Um, it's hard for me to argue against him getting ice time, but it's a three goalie. Th- I mean, there's three goalies that probably deserve to play, and we'll see how that all pans out. More injuries. Tavo Teravainen yeah. back out with a concussion. We're with concussion symptoms again after returning for one game. This one sucks. Uh, uh, I think everyone was excited to see him get back. And then one game, he's back out of the lineup with concussion symptoms. Thoughts on Tavo missing more time? Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate, especially when you start to see these situations where like a guy has like just those lingering symptoms that just don't go away, and you you just don't know. And you know, it's it's interesting to me though because like he was able to be. I think they said he was out there as a defenseman at the morning skate yesterday, which I always thought, like, if you had symptoms, you couldn't do anything like that. Um, so so I, I just I'm really not I'm not sure what's going on there. But, yeah, it just it sucks for Tara Vine and I hate it for him. I hate it for obviously for the team. He's super important. But if you, you look at it, one of the things that I think is really amazing about this team and the start that they've had is you look at. And the you know the way they're scoring goals, they're third in the league in both goals and goals per game. You know, obviously we we talked about this. Um, I think it was when he didn't make that ESPN top 100. How good Tavo Teravainen is and how important he is to this team. The Hurricanes have done what they've done this season. If you think about it, he played the first two games. He was actually injured in that first Nashville game. Then he was on the yes. COVID list. And you think about how long it took him to get back to full speed, really probably until that one Columbus game when he had four points. Um, and then a couple games after that, he's concussed. The Hurricanes have maybe had a fully healthy 100% playing the way that he's capable of playing Tevo Teravainen for maybe four or five games this season. And they've done what they've maybe, done. I mean, yeah. it, this team... And I asked Rod Brindamore about this last night, even, you know, when they blitz the Predators, when they find out that morning that they're not going to have their leading scorer in Vincent Trocek, it's just finding different guys to step up. And I mean, obviously, in a season like this, especially, there's going to be attrition and you have to have that. But it is pretty remarkable to me that the Hurricanes are doing what they're doing without a player who's been so important to their offensive success. I think like. I'm curious of like Ajo is leading this team in points. He has 24 points, 10 goals, 14 assists. If he consistently had Tavo on his line and not constant cycling of, you know, Brock McGinn, Warren Fogle, Jordan Martinook, kind <laughs> yeah. of joining Sebastian Ajo on the top, like, how, like, could Sebastian Ajo be even outpacing like 
all of that like be like way up there because the chemistry he has with terrifying is insane they play so well together and i'm just curious of like like the effect table could have like coming back like if Aho is playing this well right now without him and if table comes back you know down the road could they really elevate that top line like could that take another step forward from what it's from the powerhouse it's still being right now just Aho? i think so i i don't see why it couldn't i mean you know we we've watched them for years now it's just like it's ridiculous their chemistry and and how they know where each other are on on the ice at, at all times and it's it's constant it's 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 almost impossible to defend. I mean, we, we <laughs> yesterday I was looking at some of the goals from last year, and I mean, it's just like, what, like, what are you, what are you can do? Like, you can't do anything about this. Like, there was this the goal against New Jersey where Svechnikov enters the zone, drops it back to Aho, goes cross ice to the right wing to Teravine, and Teravine shoots it right to the front of the net, and Svechnikov taps it in. It's like this beautiful tic tac toe goal, and it's like you can't do anything about it. And then there was the Minnesota game. I think Aho had a hat trick in that game, where <laughs> it was like Aho enters the zone, drops it back for Teravine, and Aho goes to the other side and to the right wing to his uh, one time position, gets it right back with Niederreiter driving down the middle, and again it was just a beautiful goal. And then of course there's the Winnipeg goal, which the Teravine pass was just outrageous. So you'd have to think if Teravine had has been playing up to this point aho would be would see his numbers be a little bit better and and maybe the hurricanes would be better and he's had a lot of the season with svechnikov aho has but i think it's pretty obvious that Teravinen and aho is a better duo than aho svechnikov at least i'd say at least at this point in time not saying that they're not a great duo and when they're all healthy they can be a great trio but Aho and Teravine just have so much history together. And whenever they get him back, Teravine, that that's going to be huge because <laughs> he's a top 100 player in the NHL in my book. Even when he wasn't producing like crazy, if you looked at his, his metrics and stuff, he was one of the best forwards in the league, and he wasn't even playing that well for his standards. Yeah, whenever they get him back, it's going to be massive. It's going to be a massive addition. What doesn't help is that on top of him being out, now Vincent Trocek is out with an upper body injury. He missed his first game last night against Nashville. It's suspected that the cross check that he took against Mark Bor- Borwiecki, is that right? I think so, yeah. He took a cross check. Nashville was on one with these cross checks. Cross checks. Trip Tracy was calling them out every time he saw it. <laughs> but it's Cross checking is such a dangerous play. I mean... It's just ridiculous. Even with Florida too. Florida just is really heavy on the cross checking too. You think, you th- I think back to like Stahl. Well, now they and, have Patrick like, breaking his Patrick Hornfist now. So their cross checks for sixty got doubled when when any team adds Patrick Hornfist, it, it gets it gets doubled. Yeah, I just think like the Canes have gone through like the at least last three games of this week. Like the amount of cross checks they've taken for sixty, as you said, is just. Been crazy and like to think of like the injuries the Canes have. To, uh, one player who hasn't been injured, Andre Svechnikov is just somehow. taking a beating every game, and somehow he just bounces right back. Like God bless youth and vitality, because sometimes I don't know how he's not, you know, sustained like a 
broken rib or like a post-concussion symptoms or whatnot because he takes hard hits into boards cross checks punches to the face that don't get called it's shocking how he's healthy still he had to go to the quiet room in that first national game for a little bit didn't he yeah yeah because he got that uh reverse hit from forsberg where his elbow caught him which yeah. actually, I I really don't. I mean, you you said this during the game, Brett, but I don't really think that Forsberg did no. anything wrong there. That's just kind of an unfortunate play. The uh, the Dante Fabro hit on Brock McGinn there that got him suspended <laughs> for two games. Good God, was that an awful hit? And I still, I mean, I I cannot fathom how that was only called a minor penalty in the game. That that was that was horrible. Yeah, the same refs like Lambert and I forget who the other one was. That same refs that you know saw the Tom Wilson hit on Carlo, and they were like, "No, nah, it's fine." And the, Didn't even call a Wilson penalty. Suspended all, right? seven games, no penalty, but a seven yeah. game suspension. I, at some point, refs have to you know start getting fined or suspended for some of this stuff. Like if you're gonna miss a blatant player injury, look, like even like like, and it happens multiple times. There's because I've noticed that I, I think a few of these suspensions and fines this year have been come from no calls or like bad calls or like just like two minute minors on like a lot of fines and suspensions that the league looks back and says, and you know, of all people, the department of player safety goes and says, I guess we have to suspend them here. You know, that's saying a lot when refs miss that and the department of player safety steps in to actually make a call on it. It it becomes a safety issue. If guys think that they can get away with doing that in a game, they implemented the rule that if you call a five minute major on a penalty, you can review it and, and make sure like in the NBA, if like, if they call like a flagrant two, they can be like, okay, let's review it. Like we can review it. They review those things and then they can move it to a flagrant one or whatever. Keep it a flagrant two. But like, I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't exhaust those options that you have to, to, if you want to, if you see a penalty that looks pretty fucking egregious, you can call it a major and you can change it if you review it and you decide, okay, that wasn't as bad as it looked. We'll just give you a minor, uh, whatever. Like, I just don't understand why they wouldn't go down that avenue, especially on a hit that was very obviously an elbow elevated to the head. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was coming in, and then he's just like, oh, arm tucked, arm tucked. And extend pushing head. Like, it was so textbook. He left his feet. Brock McGinn's, like, level never changed. Like, when it first happened, I was like, did McGinn get lower when the hit was coming? And I was like, oh, no. No, he literally stayed at the exact same level, and he brought his elbow up to him. And it was just so obviously a cheap, shitty hit. Like, and and you're going to call that a two-minute minor. They showed it again on the video board um, at the game last night, which I'm not 100% sure why they did. But, yeah, I think it was um, – Because that was on the uh, Fox broadcast. Oh, okay. That's right. Um, I think it was Chip Alexander who said, you know, every, it's like every time you see that hit, it looks worse. Yeah. I mean, it's – it's there, there's no defending not giving that a, a major. It's like you, like you just said, and I think I said it in the moment. I mean, it, it, it's just – if there's a textbook – you know, high hit that you should be giving a guy a major for it was that one. And Jesus is Brock McGinn a tough guy. Like goodness. I, I mentioned how special conference surprising to never gets injured. I don't think Brock McGinn's capable of being injured. I just don't think, I think he's like his cells regenerate like 
every time like he like i say i swear to god like his leg fractures sometimes on the ice but his cells just regenerate as he stands up and then like powers down the ice to like beat out an icing or something it's insane the grit and like the tenacity of brock mcginn he is one of he is the toughest hurricane just by sheer strength of will brock mcginn is made of vibranium and i'll say this if it's between fogel mcginn martinook right now I'm going with McGinn, honestly. Easy. That's a, that's going to be a fairly easy decision the yeah. way that McGinn has played this season. And and Fogel hopefully will start to pick it up, but doesn't Fogel have like five goals somehow? Yeah. It feels like he doesn't. It it feels like he doesn't have five goals because it feels like he's been invisible all season. Yeah. But he's he off the he's off the puck play and like puck carrying hasn't been great. He keeps getting like those like in close goals to pick up but like off the puck yeah like i know he had a breakaway around. goal as well off. yeah he, i think he was a beneficiary too and that in that one stretch where jordan stall was making all those ridiculous passes that is true that is true fogel was a beneficiary of a couple of those mcginn's been great uh, for for who he is and and what he brings he's been great and when he was playing with aho you know we talked about earlier how aho was you know he was playing with mcginn he was playing with uh martin or whatever McGinn was really, really solid. I mean, he was doing well up there. That's not something that's going to last long term, and you're not going to keep him there. But over a short stretch, that was something that worked, and and he looked really good up there. They're uh, they're they're getting contribution all around, and now we have Jake Gardner who missed five games, came back for a game, and now he's back out again with a back injury, which which is another. Not quite the same as post concussion, but yeah, a back issue, a lingering something back that's issue been lingering. Tough. Yeah, because yeah, wasn't that what was this like in Toronto too? Didn't he have bad back he, issues before before he got to Carolina? He had that back injury, and I think that was part of why he wasn't signed until September because teams were wary of that. And now that's the thing that's bothering him again. He's missed six out of the last seven games. That that's been giving. Flurry and and being an opportunity to play consistently in the third pairing and being got two points against Nashville in that second game, uh, both on the both primary assists to uh, Morgan Geeky on the power play, so a lot of a lot of injuries happening. That kind of leads me into the kind of the big news of the week, which was Eric Stahl. Do we remember Eric Stahl? Raise your hand we if you raise your hand if you remember Eric Stahl. Games. Do we remember Eric Stahl? Indeed. Yeah, we get we got isn't some he, Eric Stahl. Is the brother of Jordan that uh, played on the Rangers? That's right. He's um he's Jared's brother, right? Yes, he is Jared's brother. So Elliot Free or no, it was Bob McKenzie who originally reported that the Hurricanes were interested in Eric Stahl potentially. It's something that they were talking about, and then everybody was like, "Whoa, that would be something." And then Pierre Lebrun last night on Insider Trading also said that the Hurricanes were discussing Eric Stahl. And the the wording on this has been fun because it's been like, it's something they've talked about, you know, like internally. Like they, they're making it sound like, you know, they're, they're in a pro scouting meeting. And they're like, you know, Eric Stahl, yeah, he exists anyway onto something else. So it's hard to really gauge how much there really is here. But 
He's with the Buffalo Sabres. The Sabres are an absolute travesty. Stahl has not been great this year, but he's on the Sabres, and I mean, what? Nobody I, has been great for them. Yep. So, this, so he wants to. He reportedly wants to go to a contender, which would make sense. He's 36, I think. Uh, Buffalo is expected to trade him, and the Hurricanes reportedly have had conversations internally about it. It's not number one on their agenda, but if it gets closer to the April 12th deadline, which is a month from today, then they will think about it and if he's still available maybe they'll offer up a, a little, little draft pick for for Eric Stahl I've seen a lot of takes on this on Twitter and it's very mixed what do you guys think about the possibility because Vincent Trocek's now injured Teravine's injured it wouldn't hurt to have another forward who can who can play and has playoff experience yeah, I, I think it makes some sense, definitely, on that level. You've got a guy who you know... Look, I, I like I don't think you can judge Stahl on his Buffalo production. He was fairly good in Minnesota. And, like, I think somebody said on the Slack the other night that he hasn't been any kind of good in Buffalo. Well, nobody has. I mean, it's more likely that there's an issue in Buffalo than that, like, Eric Stahl, Jack Eichel... It's Eric um, Stahl's Taylor fault. Hall, they were fine before he got there. Et cetera all forgot how to play hockey. Um, but no, I mean, like you said, you know, there's there's injuries, there's Trocek, there's Teravainen. You've got a guy in Eric Stahl that you know can give you some scoring. He can play. I think he can play. On, I think I'm sure he can still play on the power play. Um, he can play center or wing. And obviously, you know, there is the nostalgia factor, but – and, and I think, you know, there's some people like, oh, you know, would he be okay with coming here and, like, not being the guy in Carolina? Absolutely. I think at this point in his career, Eric Stahl would be more than happy to come in here and just be along for the ride on a good Hurricanes team. And I, I said this the other night, too, but I think how ironic is it to be talking about Eric Stahl being traded from a bottom feeder elsewhere to a contending Hurricanes team? Yeah, I think I think Eric brings a lot to the table. I mean, you know, obviously everybody likes veteran experience come playoff time. Everyone values that tremendously around the league. Uh, he can play in the top nine, like Andrew said, center, wing. And like the injuries are piling up, you know. Come playoff times, sometimes an injury can derail a team. And, like, just having Eric Stahl around, because, like, if you have the cap space for him and, like, you just have him on roster, you, you don't have to play him every game. You can you can say, you know what, we, we feel like he might be good to slot in right now or today or something, or if there's an injury, he can come in. You don't have to, like, he, he doesn't take someone's spot necessarily. And I think Eric Stahl could provide a lot. I mean, he's good in the face-off circle, which is something Brendan Moore loves. He can play on a power play unit as just, like, the power play center. He can, you know, take the draws, play, like, along the boards. I think he can offer a lot. I think there's a lot he can do. He's also 6'4", 200-some pounds. Like, the stalls are big people. The stalls are a big family. And that is underappreciated. Like, Jordan Stahl's overtime winning goal came because Tolvanen could not get the puck from him. Tolvanen could, was hanging onto his back like a baby, trying to reach the puck as Jordan just casually one arm just kept him off of him, pushing the puck forward. Like, the stalls are big guys. And I also think back to when Eric concussed Mark Stahl with a monstrous hit. Like, like these are big guys and like they bring a lot of they could bring a lot of physicality to like the team. I think Eric Stahl could bring a lot. 
I think Eric Stahl would, you know, because like I said, it doesn't have to cost really much other than like a fourth pick round pick, even if that Buffalo just selling something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think you could slot anywhere in the lineup, really. I think just good to fill in. Well, I think if there's any two people who you trust on their opinion of Eric Stahl and whether or not he's a good fit for this team, it's your captain, Jordan Stahl, and your head coach, Rod Brindamore, and even for good measure, your special advisor to the general manager, Justin Williams. Yeah, like you said, Ryan, if there's one thing that I know about hockey, and this is this is Brett's A-list, not like Steven's A-list, but this is Brett's <laughs> A-list. Um, number one on that list is if you get a stall brother angry, then it's going to be a bad time for you. Like if you make Jordan or Eric angry, they will light you on fire. All right. Like that's one thing I've learned over watching the hurricanes for 15 years or whatever. Like it's that if when Eric stalls angry, Ooh, like he is a, he is a demon. He, he really is. And if you make Jordan stall angry, you will literally be driven into the boards out of the arena, and he's not even trying to hit you. Clearly, he'll, just, he'll skate. In, no, when Jordan's angry, he just skates into you, and you fly away. Like he doesn't even try to hit you hard. Like it's it's amazing. Like angry dad mode. Like it's it's un, it's unbelievable. It's it's insane. But yeah, people have brought up like would would Eric be okay with you know Jordan being the captain? And, oh, what 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 would happen? You know when. Would there be a locker room disturbance by Eric Stahl? I'm like, no, 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 no chance. They're There's... Pro- they're professional hockey players. They're both in their 30s, man. <laughs> like, I, Eric I... Stahl hasn't even been a captain since he left the Hurricanes. Anyway, Eric, yeah, do, I, I, mean... I guarantee you, I will I will put so much money on the table. Eric does not want that. I'm not sure Eric ever wanted that. To yeah. be honest with you, he yeah. did well. He did an admirable job. He did what was asked of him. But I do not think. That especially now at this point in his career, that there is Eric Stahl wants any part of being the guy. I'm sure he would be happy to help with the leadership stuff if Jordan asked him or Rod asked him. But no, he's not, Eric Stahl's not going to come in here and step on anybody's toes. And and so much time has passed. Like if it was like a very similar team to when Eric left and when he was captain, and it'd be like okay, but what's the leadership dynamic? Like he's only played with. Slavin, Pesci, Jordan, is that it? Wow, that's wild. That's absolutely wild that the Hurricanes have. I think you're right, but that's wild for me to think about that this current Hurricanes group has three guys who have played with Eric Stahl. McGinn, too. McGinn. McGinn, yeah. That's. I mean, that's it. <laughs> I mean, like if there was like a huge like overlap on on players on that team, I would think maybe. But, like, it's so different. Like, and Pesci and Slavin, they played, like, what, 40 games with year. them? Yeah. And McGinn, too. McGinn played, what, like, 40 games with them? So it's like, I I think that these are... Eric's 36, okay? Like, he... <laughs> I don't think he wants any part in locker room drama at this point in his career and he had and he never has to suggest that he's ever wanted part of locker room drama would be ridiculous especially when the guy you're talking about who is the captain now is his brother like what's he gonna do like yeah like there's not gonna be this weird power dynamic that i think people think because it's such a different team now than it was six years ago when he got traded like it's 
it's a totally different team. Well, I think Stahl also for- gets. I think Stahl Sorry. gets a really bad rep for being like the figurehead on those awful Carolina teams. Like he, he does. Of like yeah, the guy was like probably the guy was well in his right to be upset that the Carolina Hurricanes would surround him with no talent. They were like, you've been our top guy. You're our captain. Play on a line with... Uh, Drayson you know, Bowman and Zach Dalpe. Here's Here you Bowman, go. Here's, Ch- here's Chad LaRose. Have fun. And it's like, like, would you be happy in that situation? The Carolina Hurricanes kept putting out bad roster after bad roster after bad roster. And then like you're just expected to be okay with it. Like man, like he got tired. Like he got he, he was done with it. It was obvious. And can you blame him? They were terrible. They were awful teams. Like they were just milling mediocre teams and they never did anything to make them better. And like now and you can't blame him for being out of gas at that point. And you know, he went to New York. It didn't work in New York. He went to Minnesota. He scored 38 goals or whatever, man. Like, like, he was really good in Minnesota. And everybody said that Minnesota lost the trade when they traded Stahl for Johansson. Like, Buffalo got the better player. And just because he hasn't been amazing um, on a terrible, terrible Buffalo team doesn't mean he still can't be useful on a good team that doesn't rely on on him to to be the guy and you you look at the lineup you're like okay where does he fit he helps the second power play unit that's for sure you got you're adding another guy to that second unit i think that would be very helpful you're adding a guy in the top nine who can probably would be expected to play the wing obviously and you're gonna have injuries like you need guys who can take big face-offs and i think you can rely on eric for that and he can win those those big draws when when you need him to. You know, you're adding just another talented veteran piece to, to into the top nine. And getting a guy like Eric Stahl feels like a thing that championship contenders are doing. That that's something that a team that is serious about winning would do. All right, hear me out. Hear me out. Aho, Teravinen, Stahl. <laughs> see the thing. The thing that keeps I keep thinking about is how great. Like it. It would be. It, it's gonna feel like if this happens, such a world's collision. Like to think about these eras, like of seeing Eric Stahl on the Hurricanes with, you know, this new crop of faces of the Hurricanes, like Sebastian Aho and Andrei Svechnikov. Like that's that's just such a a funny dynamic for me to think about. But to your point too about what he brings, like with an injury. If you have a night where Vincent Trocek is banged up and can't play, would you rather have Jordan Martinuk centering your third line or Eric Stahl having centering your exactly. third line? Exactly. I know my answer. Like Jordan you're, Martinuk. You're gonna need depth. And <laughs> two This isn't a reason to make the move, but from the emotional side of it, you know, like you mentioned, you know, those obviously that that's is this that isn't the current regime's fault. They had nothing to do with it. But when you think about what Eric Stahl had to deal with and some of, you know, the, like you said, the talent that was put around him and being the face and the scapegoat on a bad team. It would be kind of nice, especially for everything he meant for this franchise, for this team, especially if it makes sense to them on the ice to give Eric Stahl a chance to go on another run with a really, really good Hurricanes team. I think that would be a feel good story really just for everybody who follows this team and is involved with this team. And obviously for Eric Stahl himself, I mean, I, I think that that would be a, a really good storyline. Yeah. I, I think it helps the team. 
It makes sense if they're serious about winning. It feels like that's an asset they can get for fairly cheap and and they that can have a real impact. And on top of it all, it's a really good story. I don't know if it'd be the same as when Justin Williams came back, but it would be a different kind of thing because Williams wasn't here for all the bad stuff, right? But Saul was, and he was also there for all the good stuff. So to this day, I think everyone agrees that Eric Stahl deserved much better in the second half of his time with the Hurricanes. So maybe this is a chance to make things right. Maybe this is a chance to get get him back and, and get him going and, and kind of, you know, add some add some feel good, you know? Who doesn't like a little bit of feel good, you know? Like, who doesn't like that? I don't, I don't dislike that. I mean, the thing is that, 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 like, that kind of vibe, that kind of thought, that, that's a real thing. Yeah. For a team. I mean, and, you know, I, I think if you get a guy like Eric Stahl and everybody else sees, you know, I'm sure he would be re energized, reinvigorated, you know, excited to be here, excited to be on a good Hurricanes team. That, especially in a season that's such a, you know, we keep hearing about such a mental grind, I think that kind of feel good and that kind of energy would be infectious. I really do. I mean, I, I think there's on and off the ice a lot of ways that Eric Stahl can help you. And you don't think, I mean, fans would lose their minds if Eric Stahl came back. Like, there's a bunch of fans that will, like, I mean, in a good way. I, I mean, if Eric Stahl came back, I think enough time has passed to where it'd be a really good f- story, you know, for fans. When I covered the uh, Florida game last Sunday, like, there's two fans sitting right in front of me where I was at with number 12 stall jerseys. You still, yeah, they're still, he was, um, he was still the seen. franchise. I mean, he was the face of the franchise for a long time. So the first Jersey that I ever owned, um, I think when I was in sixth grade, maybe I got a red 12 stall Jersey. So no, I mean, as, as somebody who's followed the hurricanes for as long as I have, I, I will admit it would definitely mean something to me, to get to see Eric Stahl playing on a good Hurricanes team again. It's still very early. The deadline's still a month away. Definitely, like again, this kind of goes back to what we said a couple weeks ago, too. It's like, this team's good enough to win a cup, I think. And you you have to exhaust all of your options and make sure that you're in the best position to do that because this is a season where you can take advantage of kind of the craziness and get hot and and maintain it. And and you have a good enough team to do that. You have three centers producing at an absurd rate and you know, you you have to do whatever you can to uh, put yourself in the best position possible. Hurricanes taking advantage of craziness. Where have I seen that before? Yeah, no, it, it, to your point, yeah, you, you just because this is a – like, I think this is a really good team right now without making any kind of move, but you need depth, and just because you're really good doesn't mean you can't get better. I mean, I think a top nine forward – and obviously we'll talk more about um, trade targets as it gets closer to the deadline because yeah. I also have another idea for a uh, potential versatile um, – acquisition for the Ford group that I maybe even like from an on ice standpoint a little better than Eric Stahl. But, oh my uh, God, Jeff Skinner. <laughs> I said versatile. Well, I guess Jeff Skinner did play. He's a fourth liner right now. <laughs> uh, Joe Keem Nordstrom. No, no, no. It, it is a player the Hurricanes have been linked to uh, not too long ago, but um, 
I said that that's a discussion oh, is, for another time. But is yeah, that player in Anaheim? No. Oh. Um, they're in they um the Hurricanes played against them last night actually. But um the uh but yeah no just bottom line I mean if this team has an opportunity to improve like I said it it this is a push your chips in kind of year for me and going and getting a guy like Eric Stahl or another forward or really anything that makes your team better is is doing that for me. Speaking of things that made sense, Martin H just got third star of the week last week in the NHL. Um, I believe he had six points in three games last week when he won it. And then uh, he played, of course, again uh, last night because he had that three-point game against Florida. Uh, it was one of the other Florida games. I don't remember. He, he had six points in three games in a week, though. And he got third star of the week. And he deserved it. Good for him. And uh, over his last four games, he has two goals and seven points. So that's that's good. He's been outstanding. We talked about him last week. He's been amazing, and he deserves all the recognition. One last thing before we get out of here: the NHL is going to be getting some more recognition. It's already they've already gotten recognition recognition from Stephen A. Smith because ESPN has purchased NHL broadcasting rights. A portion of them, and they will be paying the NHL four hundred million dollars per season as part of this deal. Apparently, there's another part of the deal that hasn't been announced yet, so that number should go up even more. But they will be streaming over a thousand games a year on ESPN Plus. They'll be streaming games on Hulu because they are, of course, uh, partnered with Hulu. The uh, that ESPN is. Uh, we're going to be getting Stanley Cup Finals on ABC. I, I guess I should phrase it as Disney is buying the NHL rights, not just ESPN. So ABC will be involved, Hulu will be involved, ESPN Plus, all that stuff. Uh, that's pretty, I mean, it's been a, wa- a while since ESPN and the NHL were partners in that capacity. It kind of, like over the past couple of years, it's felt like that that's kind of been trending towards this eventually happening because you've been having ESPN plus streaming random games every week. You're seeing a little bit more talk about the NHL on sports center. And ultimately it's led to this where ESPN is back in the game, back in the good old hockey game. And we, and we get the music back. We get the ESPN intro hockey night oh, music yeah. back. So thoughts on ESPN back in the game. I can't I think wait it's... to watch the Carolina Hurricanes uh, quarterfinal playoff games on Disney Channel. I think that would be such a fun time, like the <laughs> NFL Wild Card Weekend on Nickelodeon. I'm Dougie Hamilton. You're watching the Disney Channel. Doing the little thing with, like, the wand and drawing. <laughs> yeah. It's actually part of the deal. The next Storm Surge actually has to um, include Mickey Mouse in it and has to bring a bunch of Disney characters in for branding purposes. Mm-hmm. I think the uh, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs are part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe now. I think that's how all this works. But um, yes, no, I mean, in all seriousness, I think this is phenomenal for the NHL for the game of hockey. I mean, I, I think there's just so many more with being on Disney and ESPN's platforms like this. So many more eyes on the game. So many more ways to grow the game. Um, I, I saw a tweet the other day that just made me howl it was um that the last like major nhl game on espn was the lightning versus flames stanley cup final in 2004 
So they're looking forward to a bunch of people tuning into the NHL on ESPN and being super imp- impressed that Daryl Sutter is still coaching the Calgary Flames. But um, <laughs> no, I, I, I just I'm, I'm really excited. I think it's going to provide for some opportunities for some new fun content. I think we all um, we've all expressed if you follow us on Twitter that we are chomping at the bit to see Stephen A. Smith talking some hockey. Um, he yeah, knows no, that the puck I, I is black. Is... He said that last night. That was number one on Steven's A-list on things he knows about hockey. Number one, the puck is black. That's a good thing to know. That's, respect, you know, yeah. if, if, you, if, you, <laughs> if you don't know the puck is black, I don't think you can say you know anything about hockey. So, yeah, he, uh, so he's got it down. I trust his opinion does. more than most on NBC and all these other places. Well, yeah, hopefully the, the NH ESPN won't be using Mike Babcock as an analyst. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, I just I think this is a really phenomenal way to grow the game, and I'm I'm really excited to see where all of this goes. I think there's a lot of opportunities for some new fun stuff for the NHL here. Yeah, and like this is what Disney does. Like this is what ESPN does. They 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 will not talk about your sport unless they are paying you to broadcast your sport. In that case, they will talk about your sports getting the tires on the thing that they own, right? Like they don't. That's just how it works. Like they didn't talk about the UFC until they got UFC rights that they started showing UFC all the time. That's how ESPN has worked for a very long time. They talk which is about, fair. I mean, which is yeah, it's it's their business, it's business model and it's one that has worked obviously. So now that they have NHL under their umbrella and they're responsible for broadcasting games and putting the games on television, on streaming services, all of that, they're going to talk about it more. That's just how that's going to go. And, you know, people are always like, why doesn't ESPN talk about hockey? It's because they don't have the broadcasting rights. They're going to talk about this, the sports that they have. This is big. They're, they're going to talk about hockey. They're, they're, this is great for the game. And, uh, I mean, there's really no negatives to this. It's, I think it's a home run move from, from the league. And uh, it'll be interesting to see all the content that we get. But speaking of content, there's no more of that this week on the podcast. Thank you for listening. Guys, Andrew, Ryan, where can the people follow you on Twitter and only Twitter? You go ahead, Andrew. At A-S-C-H-N-I-T-T-5-3. And Ryan. At R-Y-A-N-H-E-N-K-E-L underscore. You can follow me at Brett Finger on Twitter. You can follow Kane's Country at Kane's Country. Follow Instagram at Kane's Country Picks, P-I-X. Go to the website, Kane'sCountry.com. There's tons of great content there. Please follow and subscribe to the Kane's Country Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you can find the Kane's Country Podcast. Please listen, rate, review, share, do all those things. We appreciate that very much. The Hurricanes have more games this week, and we will talk about them a week from today. Enjoy the hockey. Be well and goodbye.